I'm in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. You ain't cooking up. We cooking up, chopping up. D King. Lay down. Trap side, rap side, Don and the King. Gonna do it. We gonna do it. Chop it up. Peace, peace, peace. And welcome back to Chopping It Up with the Conduit, Season 4, Episode 8. And tonight's guest is author, writer, editor, Peace Course teacher at the Law School of Mecca, executive editor for PremierHipHop.com, a low-life martial artist, and host of the Power Right Show, now on podcast on Vivo, um, as soon as a lot. All thanks to my tribe, executive producer Mika Sunga, you're the best. Graphics and promo is Mad Urgency Myron. And on video, Mecha Godzilla. Salutes to D-King and Bink the Monster for our intro. A huge thank you to our family of sponsors. Grown Fresh NYC. Street Fatigues, and so what's the scenario of the hip-hop debate card game? You can find them on our website at choppingituppodcast.com. We are on all streaming platforms, audio and visual, uh, SoundCloud, Audio Mac, Apple, Spotify, and for your visual pleasure, Podcast on Vivo, which is a partner of YouTube. And, of course, my brother Sunez has joined the building. Um, I'm about to get ready to bring him in. Y'all please say peace, you know, to the legendary Sunez Allah. Peace, God. I'm about to bring you in. There we go. Peace, peace. Peace to the God. What's the science, guy? Oh, man, we out here, man, on this Monday, man. And um, it's the perfect episode because I get to build with the illustrious Sunez Allah. Ah, uh, peace, God. That means a lot, God. Well, um, you know, uh, I, I know you've been a huge supporter of the podcast and um, of the live since we started in uh, 2020 during the pandemic. And um, you know how we always usually say it's always about timing. And I've noticed that you and I have really started building with each other more so probably over the past three, two to three years, just more so on the... Uh, the phone side of things, texting and DMing and, and mm-hmm. socializing in that manner, but then started more so building in sound. So um, it, it was only right in order to get you on the show, you know what I'm saying, to tell everybody your history, you know, to get everybody to know your history and, you know, the importance that you have to this culture. So if you don't mind, I'd like to give a proper introduction. Yeah, that's peace. All right, that's what we do here. Okay. He's a creative author, principal journalist, an honoring historian, also known as Skillistrator Lowe, as a knighted member of the Lowlifes. In his 20 plus years career, he has published over 300 articles for works such as Spanning in since 96, with the likes of Vibe, XXL, The Source, Hip Hop DX, and uh, so much more. He's also an educator who teaches the peace course at Allah's school in Mecca, which is Harlem. And he teaches there, uh, what is it, weekly, correct, God? That's right. That's right. Yeah, every Thursday. And, that's right. And most recently authored 
art on art, creations that born this hip hop writer element. Please mm -hmm. welcome my brother in mathematics, Sunez Allah. Peace. Man, Peace. I appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Well, I had to make sure that I included, you know, uh, I mean, not everything, but what I, you know, what definitely what is highlighted because you've contributed a lot to this culture and, you know, you don't operate, you know, like the norm. Like, you know, most go mm -hmm. right, you definitely go left, but you do it in a righteous manner. So um, if you don't mind, i like to start. Indeed, indeed. Okay. Um, so um, I know, I've seen that you started your journey in the hip hop uh, culture, possibly around maybe 94, 96. But before we go there, what were some of your earlier influences in hip hop or music in general? I would say this, you know, where I'm from, Sunset Park, Brooklyn, um, it was basically what you see, you know, what you see or what you think you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So we only saw, you know, I, as a child, you know, I only saw Puerto Ricans breakdancing, you know what I mean? And we saw, you know, we saw Wild Style, you saw Breaking, you know what I mean? Like, you think that's what you're supposed to do is the element, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you know you're in it somehow, but that's pretty much all. And um, when you grow up in Sunset Park, Brooklyn in the 80s, I, I didn't notice too much hip hop, you know what I mean? And honestly, you know, what's interesting is that I, always, I, I say this when I get into deeper conversations, I wasn't a good music listener, mm. you know what I mean? Okay. So hip hop lyrics or lyrics in general of any kind of song didn't really impress me. Mm -hmm. Not because they weren't good or I heard them and they weren't good. They didn't register, you know what I okay. mean? All right. So it was really about the beat when I was a very little kid, you know, like third grade and stuff like that, fourth grade, we break dance and stuff. Yeah. And we're doing that because we're supposed to, you know, I'm trying all types of stuff, you know what I mean? Just a kid. Um, but I didn't really engage in hip hop culture like that. You know what I mean? And you know what's funny? I, I would say that I was very busy being poor. Ah. You know what I mean? Well, see- I was I, very busy I, being- Pardon me for cutting your wisdom because you know what you're saying that you know i want you to talk about the culture of growing up in sunset park because that's where i was actually leading it to so your energy is already taking me there guys so go ahead right right yeah yeah i can't really tell my story without sunset park because yeah. you know like when you talk about a lot of other you know legends in hip-hop or boricuas puerto ricans they grew up in neighborhoods where they might have been the lone Boricua, they might have been the Puerto Rican that pops out, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Whereas I'm, I was grew up in a neighborhood where everybody was Puerto Rican, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And the, the older I got, the older I got as a young child into preteens and, and even teenage years, everybody else, every other, every other neighborhood were different people, different, they do different things, you know what I'm saying? Right. So the puerto rican culture that i was growing up in um my family was very assimilated so even salsa was considered too too rugged too black it's not really the thing to do mm. so music wasn't a thing you know for me it didn't really embrace you know what i mean um i liked a lot of songs i like music i love the vibe and stuff like that but these are they they're more like seeds into my development as opposed to obsessions that i dealt with when it comes to hip-hop 
it probably was the breakdancing, the, the the anger release. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yes. So that component of the B-boy fighting someone else. Because I'll tell you something, as a kid, I fought a lot. You know what I mean? Yes. So I was always fighting. You know what I'm saying? Right. Always fighting somebody that I felt did me wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and the B-boying was an outlet like that. You know, so it wasn't something that was defined. It wasn't anything that people said, this is why b-boying is replaced. None of that. We didn't know any of that. All I right. knew is that when you danced, you could aggressively attack someone else, too. Mm. You know what I mean? Or right. defend yourself in that way, too. So it really resonated with me. You know what I mean? And by no means am I, by any of the such, any, any, have any type of skill with this. You know what I mean? Just kid skill, you know? Right. As I get older, um, and really, like in my junior high school years, again, it's the same thing. Hip hop really doesn't resonate. What resonates is sports. So, like the 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 soul that I see my people have, whether black, brown, right? Yeah. It's really watching sports. You know, it's mm -hmm. watching baseball. You know, it's watching basketball. I'm not really getting that from the music. You know what I mean? Because I can't really follow the lyrics. You know what I mean? Right. And thinking about the, the the songs that were out in junior high school, uh, lyricism was very fast. You know, Big Daddy Kane, Coochie yeah. Rap stuff. There's no way I had an ability to follow any of that stuff like that. And let alone uh, be streetwise enough to know what it meant, even if I got the words. Right? Mm -hmm. So, but it's really the posture of it that becomes a seed. And the one video really is Rakim's I Ain't No Joke. You know, it's really that video. It's because only that one video. The, 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 way I, the, way I was grow, the way we grew up was that hip hop was negative. They teach you that in school. You don't do that. It's, it's people saying dumb lyrics, you know what I mean? And right. since I couldn't follow the lyrics, I was like, oh, they must be saying gibberish because nobody can get it, and I can't get it. Then I saw I Ain't No Joke, and it's not some buffoonery. It's not some craziness. He's just, you know, he's leaning back. I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic, the mic smoke, smoke, you know? And I was like, yeah. yo, if I go talk to somebody like that, that's the way you do it, though. Smooth, right? but tough, rugged. Yeah. Yeah. And his persona stuck with me and um became the foundation but um i i didn't really fall in love with the lyricism until i got into high school okay you know what i mean right. i didn't really fall in love with the lyricism until i got into high school and probably you know the two people were really careless one and, and guru you know what i mean yes yes you know like Absolutely. Remember the yes. perfection. Remember you know perfection. What I mean? yes. Guru was everything Guru did. We, I, I tried to copy. You know yes. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The way he dressed, the way he moved, everything that he was doing, like his ethics about what hip hop is. These are the things that become that inform me about what it ought to be. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And I, I never let it stray. I, it still, it still is the case today. You know what I mean? And right. Karis One, it's um. I'm a kid that I grew up through Sunset Park, right? Right. But I don't, I, I, I'm as poor as anyone in there, and I'm probably poorer than the people that did crime. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, crime is not a choice for me. It's a choice that I made not to do that. You know what I mean? Indeed. Because it was, it was financially viable. It had the opportunities, but it was something that I saw ethically not to do. I listened to my older, you know what I mean? I listened to my mother, you know what I mean? And I believed that. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I sincerely believe that when I heard people like KRS One and stuff, then I definitely couldn't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, you know, I just, that's why I said, like, I, I was busy being poor because 
if you don't do those crimes, then you are poor. You you have to stay poor. You have to be okay with that one pair of shoes. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yes. You know, you have to be okay with waiting to get clothes after the summer youth, after you do summer youth, you know what I mean? Over right. the summer, you know what I mean? Indeed. And you Indeed. get the, the $600 and you spend it correctly for the whole school year, you know what I mean? Because I made those choices not to do those other things, you know what I mean? I, I, I never gave into peer pressure. And um, people like Karis one, the way that he was able to articulate things, um, the way he made reading a concept to me, um, all of these things really impressed me, you know what I mean? So, so if I said, you know, like that's really what influenced me the most when I get up to height, when I get to college and writing presents itself, you know what I mean? Right. So, well, let's, 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 uh, fast forward because I say, what is it around 96? Was it the first publication you started writing for? Yeah. Yeah. So the quick story was that I go to, I'm going to CUNY's Baruch College. And at that time, their campus wasn't really a campus. It was littered in different leased buildings and places you go to. So one class, okay. you go from 26th Street and Park Avenue South, you got you to gotta hustle all the way to Union Square, which is 14th wow. Street. You know, and wow. you're going to these different buildings and stuff like that, right? And the main building was 23rd Street, but it's a lot of places to navigate. So you navigate the city, but if anybody knows their 90s, right? All the record labels and and magazines are in those areas. In the area, yes. So my older, you know, remembered imperfection. She's the one that really got me into doing something. She's the one that made me a writer. You know what I mean? Mm. The the one that was making me do book reports of books that got nothing to do with school. You know what I mean? Inspiration. You know, I I I wouldn't say inspired because I didn't like writing. I didn't want to do it, so it wasn't inspiring. I didn't want to do it. You know what I mean? I can't. She's the kind of person that you know. I um, can't tell. Well, I tell you this, right? The foundation is her making us read books. Me and my twin brother, we would read books, and she would test us on those pages by Mm. saying, "Well, what was on this page in the third paragraph?" There's no way to answer that if you read 20 pages. Facts. And so we have to go back and read it again and, and do it again and prove, prove that we had read it. Repetition. And this would be the case. God, this would be the case all summer, God. Mm. So when I, by the time I reach co- college, I, I'm able to just pass classes by immediate, you know, short-term memory and then just toss it. You know what I mean? Yes. Right? And when I, when I, I didn't even, I didn't read books on my own, I didn't read magazines. In fact, it was when I was in college that I went to a magazine shop, you know, waiting for classes to start, that I learned that they made magazines about hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Yo, this is my, this, this is how is much I was unaware of reading. I didn't read comic books, none of that shit. I didn't read. All I cared about was sports, sports statistics, all of that kind of stuff, man. I could go in on all. See, now, for the people who are joining in, I just want them to understand because mm-hmm. You know, the way you write and the way you speak so affectionately and vigorously about hip hop, it just blows my mind. You're sitting here telling me these things that a lot of it more so bloomed. Right, right. I'll tell you why it happens that way. Like there's such a obsession with the way I do stuff is because you know this to be the case that when you're because of brothers in the street life, they also encountered the knowledge of self. 
Indeed. So I'm not encountering those things. You understand? Right. right. I have to go to college and be radicalized to Puerto Rican independence and be embarrassed as my first mentor, Dr. David Traverso, PhD. I never met a Puerto Rican with a PhD, let alone a master's. Wow. And he has a PhD and seven master's degrees. And I got I go to the Puerto Rican history class all late thinking, oh, you know, it's easy. Yeah, I'm Puerto Rican. You know what I mean? Right. And he embarrasses me. You know what I mean? And I look at all these people and realize that at the end of this course, these people would know as much or maybe more about where I'm from than I do. Because they're all going to take the course. And I was embarrassed by that. And that led to a, a, a ferocious level of reading begins. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. That's when I start reading. You know what I mean? I go to the library. I start jacking books, stealing books, ripping pages out to remember stuff. And then I can't keep doing it because it's too many pages to steal. Right. Right. So I start writing everything in journals. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And everything I read, I write in journals and I comment on them. You know what I mean? And I comment on them as if I was speaking to the person that was there. The author was there in front of me. So I try to speak in the same eloquent manner that the author was writing in. And this becomes a practice just because, because I was, I was embarrassed and I always felt behind Mm. that I didn't know that history. You know what I'm saying? Right. 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 And, and when I start to, when my older, I go to college, he says, you got to do something. And this will surprise many people, but my basketball career didn't, you know, take off. You know what I mean? So at a concentrated supremacy of five foot four, I wasn't going to make the NBA. You know what I mean? So <laughs> don't my tell that to, to do some type of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The anomaly. I'll, I'll say this all day. He got. He has to be in the Hall of Fame. If you're if you're if you're our height, you know that he has to be in the Hall of Fame. But anyway, Indeed. the uh, I, I start. Um, I start collecting. My older tells me to do something. So my older, my my twin brother is in is actually in the school paper. So he gets me along to write, and I say, "What do I write about?" Because you know, mom's mom's making making me write. Right. It's the only thing I know how to do. You know, without like learning new stuff. Right. So I start writing about hip hop, and I'll tell you, I'll tell the people this: the first piece I ever wrote. This is why I knew I was going to be good at this. The first piece I wrote was about 1,200 words, and it was called The Three R's mm. That Feed and Starve Hip Hop, Record Labels, Radio, and R&B. Okay. And I wrote that in 1994. You know what so I mean? I was, I'll see, I was right on my time in there. Let's go. That's right. That's right. So that's the first major piece I write, and it's in the school newspaper, but because I'm writing in the school newspaper so near other magazines, people from Vibe Magazine see what I'm writing. You know what I mean? And then they want to see what I'm doing. They love the style. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't I didn't leave college like they did. You know what I'm saying? And I'm right. not upset about that because unlike what they was doing, I had zero assimilationist ability. Mm-hmm. I had zero. Right. If I thought something was sellout trash, I would explain why. I would I would go in. And as my career starts in 1996, when I get found like that into into vibe magazine yes um i spend the next few years burning bridges wonderfully you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i feel you every single time 
every single single time I see something that I think is foul, I say, I can't believe you we're putting this shit in there. This is what we're putting in there. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, to give the people an example, because I might give them examples some that they wouldn't even mess with. Okay. Right? But they, you could see it today, but back then you wouldn't see it. So I was ahead of the curve. I, I would spend, these are days that I would spend, like I'd be at Beach Street in Medina, right? Right. The lone Puerto Rican, I'm out there saying some crazy shit. I'm going, you know, uh, 1995, I'm saying this. I say, you know, Biggie, Biggie is going to ruin hip hop. You know what I mean? Oh. And I called it the A pop side, B hardcore side, destruction of the music. You know what I mean? Right, right, this right. is the stuff that I was saying back then. So you was already on it. Right, right. But Biggie is so beloved. His talent level is so excessive that nobody sees what I'm saying. And I'm saying Puffy's using him. He's going he's gonna to use him to good, put good and bad stuff out there because you need a great MC right. to cross it over. You need a great MC to put the push. If Diddy ran, rhymed uh, uh, Big Papa... People say, ah, oh, this is crossover crap. You know what I mean? Skip. Because remember back then, right? 1994, and I used to argue this in 1994. Samples had to be chopped and flipped convincingly. Right. You couldn't just take. Sample, uh, you you couldn't, couldn't sample the joint. Nah, you couldn't just take uh, Big Papa, which actually has an instrumental. The Isley Brothers made an instrumental for it. So you're not even sampling, like, you're not even isolating a part. Right. You know what I mean? You're just toughing it up, putting a little bit more bass and drum on it. And and you couldn't do those kind of songs. And I was like, wow, let alone one, but like multiple ones in the song. Like these are all things that I was saying, like it's gonna lead to the downfall, right? But I was crazy, you know what I mean? And um, I would do this at magazines and be run out, you know what I mean? Like, right. I, I'll give you one thing. Double XL's foundation is Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt. If you get their first pre-issue, the one that goes before issue one, right. Jay-Z is on the cover. Right. Right? And I said, this is me, right? I said that Reasonable Doubt, because I had the promo copy, right? I said Reasonable Doubt is not only doing sample violations, because you can't sample EPMD the way they did. I found it a violation. You know what right. I mean? Right. And I said that Reasonable Doubt is a poor man's Cuban links. Mm. <laughs> I said that back then. I said, ah, oh, they're just doing Cuban links. It's a low-budget Cuban links. Like, imagine if you took out all the intelligence, all of the insight that Cuban links lead you to, you got reasonable doubt left. Now, there's deep questioning about the life, the visualizations. All those are profound. But we know that the deeper knowledge of self, the, the end game of Cuban links Indeed. is so much deeper than what it was. And I was saying this before I had knowledge of self. You know what I mean? Right. So but these things got me. To, yeah, pardon me to cut your wisdom. No, because, no, man. Because this this is where I wanted to get to about the knowledge of self. Because uh, I want you to talk about the album Wu-Tang Forever and how did it lead you to the knowledge? Oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? One thing I see, peace in it. Uh, uh, Jules, peace, queen. Um, I see King Low. I, I yeah, saw King that Lo. promo copy, by the way. That's my bro right there. I sold that promo copy. I used to collect and take people's promo copies and all that and sell them to get more music. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I, I, I just put it on a tape and, and kept it moving. So I don't have that promo copy. But um, I don't care. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hater. But um, doing this music and going through all the different um, 
you know, outlets. My main reason for writing God was to understand the music better and maybe the things that I couldn't get in the streets because I wasn't in the streets daily like right. that. Right. Maybe I could learn what they're learning. You know what I mean? Because I realized that I, I, I study these texts, I study these scholarly texts, and I understand them and I learn them. But the hardest texts to understand, though, are the hip-hop lyrics. And I realized that writers aren't really analyzing. They're not giving science or music. They're not analyzing mm -hmm. the lyrics. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If they don't get something but it's dope, read these reviews. Go back in, in the magazines and read the reviews for Cuban Links. Uh, read the reviews for Mob Deep works and stuff like that. There's not real analysis of the lyrics. Indeed. They don't really know what they mean. You know what I'm saying? Let alone what they're saying. Right. And that's where I wanted to be. And when Wu-Tang Forever comes out, yes, I just felt, for me personally, as a young man, I was like, these are the answers. And it was really um, duck season. You know what I mean? Right. I was like a psycho going to my brother. going. To, I said, listen, he said he got the queen in the seed, but nothing compares to the 120 lessons. And I was like, I got to get that, because people didn't mm -hmm. talk about that in Sunset. In Sunset, it was Nieta, Familia, Latin Kings, and the God Bodies was something else. They wasn't mm -hmm. considered like builders. They was like the God Bodies. And I was like, nah, 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 nah. What, what is that? Right. So I didn't know about the Nation of Islam. I didn't know about any of this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Right. But in my writings that I start writing in college, I start saying that I'm the true and living God. Because mm. I said, if they could take these high titles, though, then I'm, when I write, I'm going to write that, too. Indeed. You know? You already made And that's really... Right, right. And a lot of it is because of Wu-Tang Forever, because of records like Gangstar's Moment of Truth, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right? Speak on it. <laughs> and it's... um, That's how I meet the, the my day one, you know, G-O-D, the God Day Son. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. A fellow writer that was in all these magazines, all the ones I wasn't in, he was in. He was in. And the ones that I was in, he wasn't in. So when we combined forces, we were like, you know, everything. Right. And he's the one that said to me, yo, you know that there's a place that they teach you that the black man is God. And I was like, I was like, what? Are you fucking serious? There's a school like that? Yes. And so I was like, but I was so obsessed with preparation that I read mad books i read every single elijah muhammad book i could get mm. i memorized the math the alphabet the one to ten and i was already into the one to 36 when i went to a law school before you even got an educator before i ever even knew about that you know what i mean because so, they because so, so, day son day son is so eccentric and so intense that he would tell me that i would get a beat down and mind you i didn't know yeah, what that meant yeah the universal beat down he said i get a universal beat down if you're not writing exact so i said he didn't explain that. It's based on claiming what you know and you don't know. Not Indeed. if I don't know stuff. So I'm thinking, right. I got to be sharp. They're going to kick me out. Right. You think they're going to kick and, me out? Yeah, you think they're about to beat me down. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to kick me out. So <laughs> by the time I get there, I'm sharp on that level. And, and, and I'll say this because we talk about the, the knowledge. The, the wonderful part about it was that my first class was the second day I went there. And it was with my enlightened knowledge, me along. And after class, he pulled me aside and said, he asked me some questions and he said, and I answered them and he said, if you continue like this, this is off the first class, God. He said, if you continue like this, you'll be teaching here at a law school in Mecca. Okay. Let's, 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 I wanna, I wanna go before there because 
Yeah, yeah, dude. A wanna, lot of I stuff happened before I, no, that. Because yeah. I want to know, I want to know, like, you know, you, you find out about the, uh, you know, a lot of school in Mecca, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. what was your first experience upon traveling to the school? Like, do you remember well, that journey? Oh, yeah, I remember that journey. Absolutely. May 1st, 1999. You know what I mean? Um, it was a hot day. Um, it, it was one of the most beautiful days of my life. I never met so many young black men and black elders being peace to each other. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And just everybody was out there trying to learn, working to learn. You know, the older guards were very inviting. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. And it, it was it was beautiful. Now, the interesting thing is, is that Harlem is very dear to me because every time I went to Harlem to learn something, I got everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My first forays into Harlem are on the opposite side. Spanish because Harlem. I told you, I, was, I, I wasn't allowed to grow up with the music. Okay. So I had to go into the first music of New York City that my people made. And that was salsa. Salsa, yes. And I spent a lot of time in Spanish Harlem learning from the OGs, like, how was it making this music? You know what I'm saying? Right. Because I was the kind of kid that he had some money and I'd go buy a record, right? But I would be there at the store needing to look at every single record and try to read as much credits as I could hmm. and analyze each record. After a while, people, OGs was opening records for me. I'm spending whole days in the record stores just listening to the salsa, all the True old digger. classics. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get that. And mind you, if they started to pop in a new one because I was a young kid and they said, hey, we got that new uh, Victor Manuel, we got that new Mark Andy. I said, no, 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 I don't get that new shit. <laughs> I, get, I get them crates, you know what I mean? Right. Not that they, they're nice and all that with it, but you know what I mean? I, I needed those crates, you know what I mean? Indeed. So every time I went to Spanish Harlem, I always got an education about my culture. And to me, it was almost like just going on the other side, right. you know? Right. Now I was going on the other side to get something even deeper. And I was embraced so wonderfully, you know what I'm saying? Yes. You know, I was embraced wonderfully, you know, and and that that's why I'm there to this day. You know what I mean? Indeed. So Indeed. let's let's fast forward to when, you know, you know, the God told you that, you know, one day you'll be able to teach in there. So, you know, according to that, you know, you started teaching at the young age of twenty-three. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. So I want to know, you know, you coming in at the, the young age of 23 amongst, you know, these older guys who's been there since the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, yeah. the 90s. Yeah. I want to know what were some of the hardships that you faced in the beginning as a young teacher? So it's a lot of hardships, right? Because, Indeed. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm light-skinned. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. And a lot of people think I might be a flash in the pan, that I'm not really with this knowledge like that. You know what I mean? Indeed. And I'm not from that neighborhood. And I don't have connections. The truth is, is that a lot of, el a lot of, a lot of gods of all generations have connections to each other that go beyond the knowledge. Indeed. They knew each other in the street. They were common in the street. And here I am, though, someone that seems, you know, book educated. Mind you, to see how different it was, it's 1999, and I go in there, I'm college educated, and I also have been vegan for years already. Mm. I've been a vegan since 1996. Mm. So I live a totally different lifestyle. So no one had to teach me to be civilized in that level of no pork and everything like that. like that. 
Yeah, I had flushed that shit a long time ago. You know what I mean? Indeed, indeed. Uh, you know? Yeah. And um, I, in fact, that was from '94. You know, it was. Uh, it's a hip hop related thing because I I got Common's second album, Resurrection, and on the song Maintain, he says, "What type of rebel eats pork?" And that looped in my head forever. <laughs> and I was like, "I'm a rebel. How can I eat pork?" It was that simple. And I just like, you know what I mean? And um. So when I, the, the hardships I had was that people didn't know if I was really sincere with it. Um, mm. People, people challenged me for all type of things, whether they thought that I could be taken because I was, uh, uh, you know, I was shorter, uh, I was lighter. I was from coming from a different ethnicity. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. And, I, but a lot of that was really from, a lot of that was really um, from people seeing things that they weren't used to. Right. They were the way I taught. One way. Right, the way I taught was mixing the orthodox with the unorthodox. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I took in literature. I made the students study literature. You know what I'm saying? Right. To compound the lessons, to add on to the lessons. You know what I'm saying? I made them go through lessons by being able to explain it without using any of the words in the lessons. You know what I mean? Exercises like this. You know what I mean? Indeed. And, the, you know, this ruffled feathers in the beginning. You know? In fact, it was Dayson who created the name of the course, Political Education and Civilization Enrichment. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and we were known as a writing class in the beginning because we were two writers. But after a while, when you teach at a law school of Mecca, people are coming in for the knowledge, and I developed yeah. the curriculum as it is. You know what Indeed. I mean? Indeed. And, you know, I could say this, though. Um, at the same time that I'm getting knowledge and I start teaching, is also the same time I start learning martial arts because all of the gods that were in my circle as my peers, they were learning from the great Seagung Bobby Lee Whitaker, you know what I mean? Mm, yes. Who really like an honorary 5%er and he's a, he's a knowledge seed. He's a black seed, just like black you guys. Yeah, just like me. And, um, and you know, he, he just told me one day, just like the gods, he said, listen, you don't have to pay, just, just work hard. And you don't have to tell me twice. You have to tell me twice that I could learn something that I would have to pay a lot for and would be useful to me if I just work hard. Right. You know? And those two things coincide, God. You know, me learning martial arts and learning the knowledge of myself is at the same time. So it becomes part of that tradition of the nation where a lot of the elders were learning the martial arts too as they was, you know, teaching this knowledge in the street, you know? But those hardships were really because people didn't know what I was trying to bring. And, you know, I, I think... I keep it real. A lot of my peers at the time were haters. They were they were they were corny. You know what I'm saying? Indeed, indeed. But um, people people would respect you with either the pen, your vocals, or the fist. True. Indeed. And I spent a lot of time, God, developing all three. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. Yes. So indeed. I was willing to challenge on any front, and thankfully it was you know I was able to 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 build with you know what I had. You know? Well, that brings me to this this one phrase, you know, because I know how, you know, you speak, you know, highly and, you know, how much you love your heritage, you know, being, you know, Boricua, so on and so forth. So, but I want you to explain this. A Puerto Rican goes through a lot in denying their roots. <clears throat> explain that to, can you please explain that to the listeners? Where there are very few places um, 
and lineages of people that have had two significant oppressors in the last thousand years. You know what I mean? Indeed. And and we could say in the last, let's say, really hundred years. So yeah. we flipped from a Spaniard oppressor to a an American oppressor. You know, and just as we were trying to, you know, define ourselves, let's say, as an Afro-Indigenous society of a culture in that nature, right? Then we get thrust with the American oppressor. And a lot of people don't understand what American oppression means in colonization. It means that they spend a lot of time with actual um, indoctrination. You know, yes. um, if you look it up, you can find these things. People can find these things. They had papers called um, The Docility of the Puerto Rican. You know, these are actual science, sociological papers that they used to write. And docility means where they're very... Uh, they're very easily led astray. Basically, they're 85 to the bone. You know what I mean? Like, they super Indeed. 85. They will right. be led in the direction you take them into. Exactly. And I read all these things, and I was radicalized to all these things. But most of our people don't know these things. So when we wear, when we rock a Puerto Rican flag, as I did when I was getting announced, because I was trying to show people this flag is as powerful as the Puerto Rican flag, and they coincide because that, that Puerto Rican flag is just a small part of the depth of what this flag is telling you. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. It's a small, tiny piece of the depth of this. And a lot of people don't know the Puerto Rican flag is an independence flag that was outlawed by the United States, that was created inside the United States. You know what I mean? Indeed. So that's why the Cuban and Puerto Rican flags are similar with the colors reversed, because it was a way of showing solidarity in the fight for independence. Right. So all of these things, they informed the they inform us, but the Puerto Rican, the average Puerto Rican doesn't learn these things. They don't always know these things. They just know that they have an obsessive pride, but they don't really know where that comes from, that it really comes from a struggle to fight for independence of some kind of measure. You know what I mean? And if it wasn't for that radicalization and understanding of Puerto Rican independence, I don't think I would have gotten the knowledge itself. You know what I mean? Now, let me ask you this, because this leads me right into this. You know, how has the knowledge of yourself helped you explain certain things to those within your immediate cipher who had no knowledge of this particular knowledge that exists? Oh, man. Um, I would say this, right? Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that nearly every facet of Puerto Rican culture is is indigenous and African in some type of way. Indeed. You know what I mean? And when we go into the roots of what is Spaniard culture, minus the language, right? right. And we can even go there in, in, the, in the singing. But if we go deep into the culture and even include the Spaniard culture, much of what we call Spaniard culture inside Puerto Rican culture is Moorish culture. You know what I mean? So even when you hear salsa songs and you hear Lavo or, or Ismael Rivera, the, the greats, and they sing chants like little lie, little lie. Those are actually Moorish chants. You know mm. what I mean? Teach God. And so all of these things inform the type of music. You know, like, for example, the national instrument of Puerto Rico is the cuatro. Cuatro means four, four-string four. guitar. It's that right. little guitar with four strings. Cuba has the tres, three-string guitar, right? Unless you have a very discerning ear, you don't hear a difference between both. But the point is, they made that the national instrument because it's spaniard but mm. it's really a moorish instrument right mm. we know a lot of the gods when we got into the books and we read i've advanced certimus african presence in early asia 
we learn about the more the moors and we read the articles right it's near the back of the book and they talk about the influence of string theory and that yeah. the creators of string theory are the moors so when you look at string theory whether it's the piano anything that's whether it strikes a string like a piano right, right? Mm-hmm. or it's plucked like a harp or a guitar these are all moors based instruments and so is the cuatro and that is not european spanish culture that is the moorish culture of the long invasion of the moors being inside of spain mm-hmm. but these are things that we don't really connect to exactly. and then you add into the american colonization it's just a continuous effort to lighten us to whiten us i mean even if you check the census data there's actually history about the 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 census data of puerto rico from the 1900s on deliberately becoming whiter and whiter you know what i mean now, unless all of these people became Sammy Sosa, you know what I'm saying? And Sammy yeah. Sosa themselves, yeah. something's up, you know? But this is really what I what I what that that's what that phrase means to me, you know? And to capture it back is to understand that living by these Afro-indigenous roots, me saying that I'm the true and living God, me go many of the gods will embrace me and they all call me the the original black man. This is something that is a reality, but not in the society completely. So mm-hmm. I am comfortable with living with that contradiction, but not ex- not assimilating because of the discomfort and being a hypocrite to the knowledge that has already been proven to me. So I'm Indeed. comfortable with being a contradiction. You know what I mean? So that's 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 peace, God, man. That's that's why I say I I, I love I love to build with you because. You know, while building with you, you, you learn. You know, you learn so much, but it's not to the point where people always want, always talk about, oh, well, it's gonna go over your head. No, it's basically how, you know, our educators teach. You know, taught us. You teach it simple. Yes, peace, God. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so um, I want to talk about uh, some special people that touched your life in a positive way. Mm. Um, I want to talk about, uh, you know, build about a few people, save your knowledge, firstborn prince, and infinite mm. Jamal. Oh, my goodness. Um, firstborn prince was the first great elder I, I, I saw, not me, saw when I went into a law school in Mecca. Right. And I was waiting there to attend class, and I was nervous. And he was bombing somebody else. And I was I was like, oh man, I gotta be sharp on this one. You know what I mean? I gotta be sharp. And um firstborn prince taught me on the side. When I wasn't with knowledge me, I went to the school every single day. When people right. wonder from ninety nine to two thousand every day. Right, right. From May of ninety-nine to two thousand, I was there every single day and I spent time with Prince, but in a different way than most people did. You know, like I said, I wasn't really about that. I, I didn't do, I didn't drink, smoke. I don't really hang out like that. So a lot of times I hung out, people made it qualitative to me. And when I was a firstborn prince, though, he would make fun of me because I would open up my notepad and write down. He'd be like, this nigga write down everything I say. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, the truth was that he's, he was right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I would just take vignettes from him, the way he dealt with other people, the way, you know, he had insights, the stories he would tell. I had very few questions for Prince. 
he usually would approach me with something that he wanted me to know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then he would tell it to me, you know? And people know him as an aggressive person, mean, but I don't know him that way. I know him as someone that really knew how to teach, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That really knew how to listen to someone and teach in a certain way. And I took a lot out of that, you know what I'm saying? And remember, the when I start teaching, all of these elders are there. So when I'm constructing my curriculum, I'm saying, what can I add on that would be unique and not just derivative of what they're sharing? Exactly. You know, and yeah. that that's they that informs me a lot because it isn't so easy to teach though if firstborn prince is right there listening. You've got to be right and exact. Got to be right you know and exact. Yes. And um, you know that that was the 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 daily square. You know what I mean? Indeed. That I, that I had to be on. You know what I mean? He was the toughest. You know what I mean? Now, how about Save your knowledge. Oh man, save your knowledge was the one that really taught me pedagogy. And my mentor did it, who I mentioned, Dr. David Travez. So he really taught me how to teach and how to listen to people and construct an assignment for a student that is worthy of that particular individual. Mm. But applying that pedagogy, that science of teaching to individuals seeking the knowledge itself, that was saving knowledge. So when I started to teach, he would pull me aside. He'd be like, dig this, God. Come here, dig this. You know what I mean? And he'd pull me aside, and he would tell me these things. And a lot of the points of the curriculum, like giving every student as a man thinketh by James Allen as their first book. Hey, that that's, was what, my, that that's what my educator gave me. Peace to the God, Bob King, Shamel, Allah. <laughs> that's that's the right. That peace to the God. This was, yeah. a thing, this was a thing that Saving Knowledge was always saying, that they have to read that first and everything like that. You know, And he sold books. But he read every single book and he was he was he's a scholar. And I was like, he's a scholar just like any professor I've ever met. And I would buy books. That's all I would do. I have very few shirts with the universal flag on. All I do is buy books from the gods and buy plus lessons that they saw, whether it was from Dumar, whether it was from Infinite Al Jamar, whoever it was. Right. And Savi would tell me which book I would get, you know. So like I remember one time I was getting Marcus Garvey book. And he's like, nah, 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 that's not for you. You get this one. And there was one, what was it? The, um, <laughs> it, it was the, the, um, oh man, I can't believe I had this book. Um, but it was a book on the Dogon tribe, right? The okay, one on the Dogon. The yeah, the Dogon. And okay. But it was written, the one that's written by the French um, explorers um, that went in there, the French scholars. It, the Pale Fox, right? I think it was called the Pale Fox. You know what I mean? Right. And um, yeah, the pale fox. And he always would talk about how that book was deep and he wouldn't let me buy it because it wasn't ready for him. And um, I remember one time, you know, I outsmarted him. I said, listen, a library should be composed of things that we know for our children, things that we're ready for, that we read currently and things that we're not up to that will challenge us to get there. Mm. And boy, that, that allowed me to get that book. He let me buy it, you know. <laughs> but um, he really taught me a lot of pedagogy, you know what I mean, and, and how to relate to the student that knows the least and still be useful to the student that knows the content. Indeed, you know, and, and um, that's why when people come to my class, I might say the same thing a million different ways. I, it, it's a uh, teaching is like being a jazz singer, you know. You have to so a lot of times you sing the same song, but you have to sing it different ways. Yeah, different song. Yes. Right, right. Yes. And, and oh, you know, Infinite Al Jamar. Yeah, that's what I was about to add. I left him for last, remembered in perfection. I, I, all these gods I love. And yeah. I love Infinite Al Jamar. 
and I have so many special moments with him. <laughs> and um, one of the greatest mo the greatest moment with him was an entire year. I think it was 2012 or 13. And he was always at a lot of school in Mecca, and he would start to come Thursdays when I taught. And we kind of co-taught an entire year of my peace course together. Mm -hmm. And it was him not taking over, not being brutish, but him realizing what was the lessons that I was going through or the, the type of attack and the kind of style I was giving a particular student. Mm -hmm. And we would kind of go back and forth. And we had such a great synergy, God. Yeah. It was so beautiful. It is one of the great joys of, of my life teaching was that year teaching with Infinite Al Jamar. You know, because I always learned something teaching. But that year, it was so overt and so outright. Mm. It was amazing. You know what I mean? And I'll never forget him for all the things that, like, uh, you know, he he had so many powerful plus lessons that people didn't understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. And his publications, he was so ahead of the curve. You know, he's an artist. I mean, he, he was amazing, you know? And his gifts were, you know, exceptional. And um, they were inspiring. They were inspiring, you know, to this day. You know, I, I love those gods. You mentioned people I love, you know. I mean? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I definitely wanted to, you know, make sure that, you know, these certain three were mentioned because I know that they had uh, a say, uh, uh, a great influence on, on, on your being. So absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, we, we, we literally winding down. We probably roughly got about maybe 10, maybe 11 minutes because this IG thing, I don't know if they still cut you off after an hour. <laughs> but right. I definitely wanted to talk about the last three right here. So I think we, you can, we can probably pop this in. I want to, you to speak about another relationship with the legendary Bones Malone. Oh wow, that's a, there's three people that come into that relationship, you know. Okay. Um, is Bone? It, it this kind of puts it full circle to my work. Bones Malone, and then there's the God Rakim Supreme Shabazz Allah, who people know as Rudy Low. Okay. And then yeah. there's Thurston Howard Third. You know, Third. Yeah. You know, and they're the reason. They're the reason that I'm a low life, and they also it comes full circle about my element, what I call the hip hop writer who. To, since 1995, right, I was saying that I can't, in my mind, I was saying that I can't be contributing to hip-hop as a creator if I'm just writing about other people. So what happened was, is I started to write creative works embedded in the, in the pieces. Mm -hmm. And this didn't go over well with any magazine, God, zero magazines. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. You know, they cut it out, they ask for simplification, they all types of stuff. Dumb and it, it never worked. And, and I was at all of them, Source, Vibe, Double XL, uh, Hip Hop DX. They, they didn't really see the vision. And it was really catapulted because I saw what Bones Malone was doing. Bones Malone was writing creative columns that I couldn't understand, but were so artistically written that they bugged me out. Mm. And I, I said, I want to do that, but I want to make this a hip hop element. And the way they'll do it is if I write creatively in the actual technical pieces about the music. So if I decide to throw a poem in front of the review, if I decide to throw prose inside the interview, you know, mm -hmm. to explain it and make it more vivid, 
Exactly. I'm going to do all that. So that way it stands as its own art piece. And that's where the concept of art on art comes from. You know right. What I mean? Yeah. The and book just recently published by Sunez Allah. That's right. That's yeah, right. Go out you there and support that man. There we go. There we go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so Bones Malone was the hero. You know what I mean? And I stopped reading his columns. I only read two. And I said, I have to be unique, so I can't read his stuff, because then I might write like in boxing. Right, like, you know yeah, saying? you got to develop your own style. That's right, that's right. You know, there's own nobody going to do is go face this on me. I don't sound like nobody. You know what I'm saying? My, yeah, rhyme, yeah, no my, my yeah. words don't come off like anybody. Word. And so around 2015, Rudy Lowe, Rakim Supreme Shabazz, right, he realizes what I'm doing at the school. I've been teaching since 2000, what I do in the community, and also what I did in hip-hop, he learns about, because he didn't know I did all that in hip-hop. And he said, yo, you know, if you ever want to get your L's, you know, low life, and hear me, I never stole a piece, no, I got like maybe two pieces, right? Like, you know, like, got like three polo pieces, I don't, you know, I don't right. have nothing to phone home about. I feel you. I said, wow, that's cool. And it really came full circle in the coverage I had with Thurston Howe. So it happened during Sean Price's wake, and uh, you know, a lot of hip hop was there, right? Yes, and I remember Spit Gems and others are, are trying to explain what I do to other people, and that I'm not just a regular writer, right? And it's a whole crowd of people, and this is the way I see it because it was mythological to me, right? Thurston Howe burst through the crowd, and he says, He's not a writer, he's the skill illustrator. The skill illustrator. So at that wake for Sean P, and it's it's indicative of the great Sean P because everything he did for me helped me in yes. my career, and even in his, his in his return to the essence, yeah, I he still was providing the forum to push my career along. It, hey, it's, yo, God, just the same, yo, just the same way I feel about <laughs> Sean because it's everything he did was helping me. I, it just was yeah. amazing, and Sean Sean Price never let me write about him. But he introduced me to everybody that he knew I would write about. And he, he was the best. You know what I mean? He was the best. Yeah, he He's was. such a great man. And and we only built about lessons and stuff and the knowledge. I, we never talked about music like that. Right. And when Thurston Howe called me Skillustrator, you use that. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. And so I was, and I, so I was Skillustrator. And then Rudy Rakim Supreme Shabazz said, you got to get your L's now. And so I, I start collecting more polo, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I go to the, the 2016 Low Goose on the Deuce, and I'm there to show and prove, you know, show and prove that, that, that everything that we're wearing got the, got yeah. the low, you know what indeed, I'm saying? Indeed, indeed. And, and, and it, was, it was another mythological event, because, like legendary to me in my mind, because I'm there showing my pieces that I'm wearing. Nothing super impressive, but at least I went to, I went 100% polo. Indeed. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. From the boots to the underwear, everything. All that, yes. Everything. And guess who's my hype man saying, the God got this, you know how we do, is Sadat X. So I got Sadat X hyping me up, the, the, one of the greatest voices ever in hip hop, and he's yeah. hyping me up Top while I'm showing my, my pieces. And I was like, this was, this was amazing. I'll never forget that day, you know? And that's how all three, because a while later, Rakim tell Supreme Shabazz tell is great, obviously great friends with Bones, and he tells him that Bones told him that the only writer he reads is my stuff, 
And that's like, I don't know, that that's like, you know, uh, uh, you know, it was amazing. You know what I'm saying? It's like if uh, if if an MC was told that Rakim only listens to him, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. I was I was I was blown away. You know what I'm saying? And um, so him validating me, you know, showing me that love was a big deal because I consider him the father of my element. And what I'm doing is making it more overt. You know what I mean? Making it outright an element. You know what I mean? Indeed. And in the last 10 plus years, I've been able to do that because I have these forums. You know what I mean? Sure. Thanks to my brother Paragon, who does a lot of my covers, and and Kevlar 7, right? The rest, great Kevlar 7. Yes. Right, right. That's that was my brother. That's Bronze Nazareth's actual brother. Yes. And he was my student. He was my student too. And they started premierhiphop.com and they said, Yo, yo, God. Do whatever you want in there. And I said, you know what? I'm going to show what this shit looks like. You know? Yeah. And that's where the pieces that mainly that I wrote there, that's what makes this book, The Filtered Real. Yes. When I wrote essays from the Invisible Renaissance, because these are pieces from the, the, the years of 2010 to 2018. Yes. And the whole point of art on art and science on music was putting a deeper analysis, but also an artistic bent to it, making it creative, you know what I mean? And um, I did that, you know what I'm saying? Nobody did else did that overtly, you know what I'm saying? And, and, to, and that's why I like certain books, like I have two books, if I could plug in now. The two books I have, The Real of 2021 and 2020, Yes. I just said nobody's doing this and there's hundreds of great albums. So I put the cover with everybody that I was building with, whether on DJ Toshi's Classic Stone Radio, you know what I mean? Word. So my own Power Rice show, right? Yes, that's and now on podcast on Vivo. That's right, on podcast on Vivo. You yes, know what let's mean? go. And um, I put everybody that I knew in there. This book covers 800 plus albums, you know what I mean? And I think I did it because it needs that cataloging and I also did it because that people don't have that. They don't have that. It doesn't exist. And us, me, us being hip hop, I have to do something nobody's ever done, you know what I mean? And um, it, it, and I'm, I'm still doing it. Like I'm 150 pages written into this year's book, so See, it, it's I, a I'm, I'm, book. I'm not even surprised with that news right there, God. I, you know, <laughs> and 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 then that leads to really the most fun part is the art on art. So the I said creation is a bonus element because until I write creatively, it's not. And in the last year or so, I mean. I, I've been able to do things I never thought. Like other great MCs have asked me to be on their, their albums. Um, you know, I get to either build or, or throw something creative on there and shit like that. You know, even have some of the lines rhyme. You know what I mean? Indeed. Like I was, I was telling him I'm no type of MC, but everything I write is going to be clearly art. And these are a lot of the poems and verses and, and songs I've been on, and it and it shows the year the, where where they were inspired. So. I might write a piece here and it'll tell you what album review I reviewed that this came out of, you know, all types of stuff. And um, this is this is heavy shit, God. Like, it's stuff that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Well, it, it doesn't exist now, exist. God, because of you. Absolutely, absolutely. You know? And, and it's like um, my whole life intertwines with all this. You know what I mean? And um, all of the experience that I've had you know what I mean? Have led to this, you know what I mean? 
you know god i i i, I want to you know thank you for this special hour that you have given me absolutely and i i, I see my man pq man PQ yeah, did PQ, this, man. Yo, my brother Pizza my brother PQ. Paragon did these covers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then PQ, all you got to tell him is, man, I gave him the book. I let him read the book. And I said, man, make it colorful. And uh, he did this without even, I didn't have to say anything. Uh, yo, I love PQ's art, man. Especially uh, the, the newest one he did for us for Rim's uh, newest flyer. Oh, man. He, yeah. He, yo, he's, he's, a, he's a dynamo. He's, he's, yeah, he's a dynamo. So much know? beautiful art. If y'all if y'all see him in there in the chat, man, y'all y'all make sure you follow PQ Design, man. He's He's definitely one of the illest out here, and he's definitely one of the people who's out here Amazing. You know, documenting the culture through his art. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I, 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 if, I feel vindicated because if it was whack, he would have drawn something really ugly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He'd have drawn just stick figures on the shit. You know what I mean? And um, honestly, when I write poetry and I write verses, I really try to write like Donny Hathaway sings. Like when okay. people actually hide, right? <laughs> That's right. how I try to write. Right. I try to write that pretty shit. You know what I mean? Well, it, well, Make it, it, look comes, beautiful. You know, it, it comes across smooth, eloquent, intelligent, all together, God. So, oh man, thank you, man. You know, thank if you. you if you can, because I don't want this thing to cut us off. I want you to tell the people how to get in touch with you and how oh, they man, can they, support you and, and, and so on and so forth, God. They can support me by DMing me for the books. I got you know prices. Uh, I got all these all these three books I have. Uh, um, they're out now. Um, they could email me at sunyas97 at gmail.com for other information, any information, whether the books or the class. If you yes. want to learn and you're not sure about the knowledge, whatever it is, um, S-U-N-E-Z 97 at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter, sunyas7, the number seven. Um, and I'm here, sunyas, you know what I mean? So... You know, I'm out there. And then now I got the Power Right Show and podcast on Vivo. So That's we have these right. great conversations. And it's uh, it's great. I got I got to build with Rim on there. And, yeah. um, you know, more stuff. You know, a place where hopefully the world will get to see more of what I have to share. You know what I mean? Well, I'm quite sure they're definitely going to be able to share because, you know, podcast on Vivo has definitely done a lot for me. So... I know it's definitely going to do a lot for the power right show. Oh, man. And I, I, I wouldn't want to have him more than you, my brother. Oh, man. Thank you. It's such an honor to be in such a dope league. You know what I mean? Indeed, man. Thank you for joining me tonight, God. I hope I did. I, I, I built it fast that I did my job well. Oh, man. Definitely, man. Definitely. Appreciate you. I appreciate everybody that tuned in. You know what I'm saying? That was it's an yeah, honor. Peace. It's a real honor. All right, so um, I, 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 I'm gonna go ahead and get out of here. Let you get out of here. Enjoy the rest of your Monday night. But I'll definitely hit the jack so we can build and sound God on some more things. Indeed, peace. Peace to the God. All right, y'all. Tonight that was uh, as soon as Allah, the great author, the writer, the skillustrator. That's my brother, man. I love him to death, man. He, he's definitely one of the treasured ones out here. Y'all make sure that you go follow him, support him, his, you know, his literature, his works of art. Um, he's definitely one for the culture, and he's definitely one who's here to pr help preserve it. Um, thank y'all for joining us tonight for episode eight. And our special guest, Sunez Halal, man. Um, we got two more to go, for, uh, and then we'll be done with season four. Again, thank y'all for, you know, supporting us. Make sure, you know, to tell a friend, tell a friend, comment, 
rate, share, subscribe. You know, we're on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Audio Mac. And for your visual pleasures, podcast on Vivo. And I am Baba, a.k.a. Celine. And this is Chopping It Up with the Conduit. Y'all continue to be good to yourselves. Support one another in a good way. Drink about the window, pre-mecca Malcolm Hot the silver pot, hoes, no pot to pissin'. Rich or poor, depending if they got your pops in prison. Early morning samples, nigga, chop it up. Uncut or the scramble, nigga, chop it up. Got the line down the block, shorty, chop it up. Got to grind for the spot, shorty, clap it up. If you need a con, do it, come and chop it up. Deep as in IBs, as you count it up. Commission table with the dawn, snake, chop it up. Nobody saying that.